Section 68 of The Mysteries of London, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adele Pooley. The Mysteries of London, Volume 3, by George W. Reynolds. Section 68. Chapter 66. Mrs. Slingsby and the Baronet Again. A few days have elapsed since the events related in the preceding chapter. We must now again introduce our readers to the abode of Mrs. Slingsby in Old Burlington Street. It was about ten o'clock in the morning, the breakfast things had just been cleared away, and the pious lady was sitting in an abstracted, nay, positively mournful mood, holding in her hand the morning herald, on which, however, her looks were not fixed. There was something on her mind. She was the prey alike to a source of disquietude and to the embarrassment caused by a projected scheme, beset with difficulties which seemed insuperable. At length a double knock at the door interrupted her painful reverie, and in a few minutes Sir Henry Courtenay, whom she had been expecting, was announced. The baronet's countenance was lighted up with an expression of joy and triumph, and as soon as the servant had retired, he embraced his mistress with more than his wonted ardour. Still, that ardour seemed not to exist on account of her, but rather to arise from the feelings which required a vent. It was an embrace that appeared to say, Congratulate me, for I have succeeded. You are unusually gay this morning, my dear Henry, observed the lady, somewhat piqued at his manner for her perception was quite keen enough to comprehend the real nature of the baronet's emotion, as we have just described them. Martha, my love, responded Sir Henry, I have just brought a well-laid plot to a successful issue, at least so far successful, that there can be no doubt as to the result. I dare say the project has but little interest for me, exclaimed the lady. You have become a general intriguant, I am convinced, Sir Henry and your conduct is not fair or proper towards me. My dear Martha, I have before told you that it is impossible for me to remain completely faithful to you, answered the baronet. I would not bind myself to any one woman for all the world. If there be a woman to whom I could so bind myself, it is decidedly yourself. Thank you, Sir Henry, for the compliment, said Mrs. Slingsby, a little softened. But it is impossible, I repeat, moreover continued the baronet. You must not complain of me, for I do all I can to render you happy. My banker's book is at your service. Well, well, interrupted Mrs. Slingsby. We will not dispute. Indeed, I have matters of too great an importance upon my mind to permit me to devote attention to petty jealousies and idle frivolities, and I perceive that you have also much to occupy your thoughts. But the revelation shall commence with you. Come, Henry, tell me all you have to say, and when we have discoursed on your affairs, you shall listen to mine. Be it so, Martha, said the baronet, then drawing his chair close to that of his mistress, he continued thus. You are well aware how vexed and annoyed I was when you allowed the two girls to depart in so sudden a manner from the house, and you are also aware how cruelly I was discovered and reproached by my nephew Clarence, added Mrs. Slingsby. I have not forgotten all you told me on that head, Martha, returned the baronet. 
and perhaps what i am going to tell you may set your mind at ease relative to that same nephew of yours poor clarence exclaimed the lady really touched as she thought of him he has been dreadfully ill ever since that shabby trick which mr torrens played him for three weeks he was confined to his bed and was delirious i know all that martha interrupted the baronet somewhat impatiently but do listen to me as i am going to tell you things which i have hitherto kept altogether to myself well you must know that i was determined not to be discomfited by the abrupt return of rosamond to her father's house and i was well aware that after all which had occurred between villiers and yourself you could not possibly give me any further assistance so i acted for myself i ascertained every requisite particular relative to this mr torrens i discovered that he is overwhelmed with difficulties trembling on the verge of insolvency and anxious to do anything that may save him from so ignominious a fate i also learned that he is a man who will sacrifice his best feelings and principles for money he has a mania for building speculations and he conceives that if he be only assisted with adequate funds he shall make a rapid and princely fortune love for his daughters he is not he merely regards them as beautiful objects to be sold to the highest bidder and on what terms he scarcely cares so that they become the means of producing him money such is the person on whom i have had to work and i have not worked ineffectually then you have formed an acquaintance with him exclaimed mrs slingsby an acquaintance cried the baronet chuckling i have formed an intimate friendship what in four or five weeks said mrs slingsby exactly so i obtained an introduction to him through his surveyor who also happens to be mine and under pretence of bargaining with him for the purchase of some of his houses i wormed myself into his confidence he at length informed me that there were heavy mortgages on all his buildings and that he was anxious to sell some in order to be able to proceed with others when i encountered the very ladies i affected to be greatly surprised that they should prove to be the daughters of the very mr torrens to whom my surveyor had recommended me you have worked systematically indeed exclaimed mrs slingsby with pouting lips but pray proceed sometimes i was enabled when i called continued the baronet to obtain a few minutes conversation with rosamond alone for adelais the elder sister usually remains in her own chamber a prey to the deepest melancholy but rosamond never appeared to comprehend any of the significant though well wrapped up hints which i dropped relative to my feelings concerning her it is evident that you proved either a bad tutoress martha or she a dull pupil i presume you are coming to a crisis henry said mrs slingsby for your narrative is somewhat of the most tedious i will endeavour to render it a little more interesting observed the baronet complacently a few days ago i called at the torrens cottage and found the house in the greatest confusion an execution had been levied in the morning and the broker was there putting a value upon the property mr torrens was in a state of dark and sombre despair the young ladies were in their own apartment i had a long private conversation with the father he made me acquainted with the entire position of his affairs and i discovered that five thousand pounds would be required to redeem him from utter ruin it was then that i gradually unveiled my purposes it was then that i dropped mysterious hints of my objects and views 
at first he was astounded when the light began to dawn upon him and he caught a glimpse of my meaning but as i carelessly displayed a roll of notes before him he grew attentive and appeared to reflect profoundly the man who deliberates is lost said mrs slingsby quoting the hackneyed proverb and shuddering bad criminal worthless as she was at the tremendous amount of guilt which she now more than half suspected to be already perpetrated or at all events to be approaching its consummation while we were yet far from coming to an open explanation continued the baronet as calmly as if he were narrating a history of but little moment an event occurred which hastened the affair to the catastrophe that i contemplated a sheriff's officer entered and arrested mr torrens for a considerable amount seven hundred pounds the execution levied on the property in the house was for three hundred and forty and thus he required an immediate advance of upwards of a thousand pounds to save himself from a prison and his furniture from a public sale in due course i requested the officer to withdraw from the room for a few minutes stating who i was and pledging myself that mr torrens should not attempt to escape i will not tell you all that then took place between me and the father of those girls let it suffice for you to learn that at the expiration of nearly an hour's discourse varied on his part by appeals threats prayers and imprecations he agreed to sell his daughter rosamond as your wife exclaimed mrs slingsby in a hoarse hollow tone no as my mistress as anything i choose returned sir henry courtenay emphatically mrs slingsby shuddered from head to foot how silly of you to affect horror at such an event exclaimed the baronet yes it is silly on my part cried mrs slingsby bitterly silly because i ought to have played a different part when first you touched upon the subject a few weeks ago but my god henry you cannot mean you will not surely surely martha this passes all endurance said the baronet sternly if you do not choose to listen to me i can retire if you will not assist me there is an end to everything between you and me and then how will you live what assistance do you require asked the widow in a low and tremulous tone for she was shocked at all she had heard and she was terrified by the menace which the baronet had just uttered you shall learn answered the latter i advance the sums necessary to save mr torrens from a prison and his furniture from the effects of the levy taking his note of hand payable on demand for the amount so that should he wish to retract from his bargain he is completely in my power i have agreed with him five thousand pounds in all as the price of his daughter but he represented to me that the project can never be carried into execution until adelais and rosamond shall have been separated i was not unprepared for such an objection and i accordingly proposed that he should permit clarence villiers to marry adelais without delay her drooping health serving as the plea for this relenting disposition on his part i moreover promised my special protection on behalf of clarence for whom i can speedily obtain a government situation of far greater emolument than the paltry clerkship which he now holds then when the wedding is over and the young couple have quitted london to pass the honeymoon somewhere in the country you will request rosamond to spend a few days at your house and the baronet fixed a significant look upon his mistress as he uttered these words so pregnant with terrible meaning 
impossible exclaimed mrs slingsby if the deed were done here beneath this roof it would ruin me ridiculous cried the baronet and he proceeded to argue his hellish project in a manner which showed how fully he had considered it in all its details and how artfully he had devised the means to render an exposure improbable but we cannot place on record all that was urged by him or objected to by his mistress in this particular point suffice it to say influenced by the menaces more than by the reasoning which came from his lips the pious lady at last consented to become the pander to his damnable machinations mr torrens shall this day write a letter to your nephew and invite him to the cottage said the baronet when the whole plan was fully agreed upon clarence will not of course be suffered to know that any interference on my part has brought about a reconciliation between him and the father of his beloved the marriage will be hurried on as much as possible and then rosamond will become mine but is clarence sufficiently recovered from his illness to leave his dwelling he is much better than he was a few days ago returned mrs slingsby but when he first awoke to consciousness after a month's duration of alarming illness and almost constant delirium he received a severe shock which produced a partial relapse in a word he inquired concerning the highwayman thomas rainford and on hearing that he had suffered the penalty of death he exhibited the most painful and heart-rending emotions but can he leave his room is he well enough to move out again demanded the baronet impatiently yes he was here yesterday answered mrs slingsby moreover a letter conveying to him such joyful news as those which mr torrens will have to impart cannot fail to restore him speedily to health and good spirits thus far all goes well said sir henry courtenay and now martha my love it is your turn to speak i have consented to serve you henry in a most difficult and dangerous scheme observed the lady after a few moments reflection may i hope for aid and support from you in a plan which i have formed certainly proceed my curiosity is already excited henry said mrs slingsby sinking her voice to a low and serious tone i am again the baronet started yes again with child added the widow and on this occasion i intend to turn to a good account what would otherwise be deemed a terrible misfortune i cannot for the life of me understand you exclaimed sir henry courtenay i will explain myself resumed mrs slingsby you are well aware of the readiness which even well-informed persons in this country manifest to put faith in anything monstrous or preposterous that may be proclaimed or established under the cloak of religion the greater the falsehood the more greedily it is swallowed there is that scoundrel and hypocrite sheepshanks for instance who was so completely exposed a few weeks ago he has taken a chapel somewhere in the tottenham court road and preached for the first time last sunday he has now become a dissenter and in his initial sermon he dwelt boldly and long on the errors of which he had been guilty he declared that he had been sorely beset by satan to whom he had for a time succumbed hence his disgraceful fall but he proceeded to aver that he and satan had since then had a long and desperate struggle together throughout an entire night in his bedchamber 
and that he eventually succeeded in sending the evil one howling away just as the day broke he therefore proclaimed that he had now emancipated himself from the thraldom of hell and was a chosen vessel of heaven once again this discourse produced such an effect that when he descended from the pulpit many of the congregation pressed forward to shake him by the hand and he is now in a more fragrant odour of sanctity than ever to what is all this to lead martha inquired sir henry completely bewildered by the long tirade relative to mr sheepshanks i merely mention the circumstances which i have related for the purpose of convincing you how easily the world is duped by persons professing extreme sanctity continued mrs slingsby to be sure ejaculated sir henry there are always plenty of fools to assemble at the beck and word of a knave and it is with these impressions added the widow that i intend to convert my present misfortune into an honour and a source of immense profit may i be hanged if i understand one word of all you are saying cried the baronet completely bewildered you are in the family way again it appears and yet you glory in the circumstance doubtless you have heard the story of joanna southcott said the widow with a glance full of meaning and you would imitate that impostor exclaimed sir henry tis madness sheer madness your nephew who knows how intimate you and i are together would expose the miserable trick that is a principal difficulty which i should have to encounter said mrs slingsby in a calm tone and even that is not insurmountable i require your aid indeed on that very point the change which to suit your views has taken place or will speedily take place relative to the position of clarence and adelais already smooths down much of the difficulty alluded to clarence will receive the benefit of your interest exert that interest then to procure him a situation in some distant colony or the east indies if you will and his absence will alike render you more secure in the enjoyment of your rosamond's person and will remove to a distance the only individual who could possibly interfere with my project martha this scheme of yours is utter madness i repeat exclaimed the baronet i will have nothing to do with it if you attempt to palm so ridiculous a deceit on the world all sorts of prying inquiries will be made and the real nature of our intimacy must in that case be inevitably discovered no it shall not be done i will give you money to go abroad if you choose when your situation may render necessary a temporary disappearance from london but to consent to this insane project well well henry interrupted the lady terrified by the vehemence in the baronet's manner you shall have your own way now you are reasonable said sir henry drawing his chair closer to that in which she was seated and beginning to toy with her but we need not prolong a description of this interview suffice to say that mrs slingsby consented to abandon her atrocious scheme of representing herself as the second joanna southcott and on the other hand promised to lend her aid to the no less infamous conspiracy formed against the honour of the unsuspecting rosamond torrens for which concessions the pious and excellent lady received a cheque for a considerable sum on sir henry courtenay's bankers the plan which mrs slingsby had conceived would never for one moment have obtained any degree of consistency in her imagination had she not been well aware that there were thousands and tens of thousands of credulous gulls superstitious dolts and idiots miserable and contemptible fanatics 
who would have greedily swallowed the impious blasphemous and atrocious lie in earnest belief of the christian religion and for profound veneration of all the sublime truths and doctrines taught by the bible we yield to no living being but it is not with common patience that we contemplate that disgusting readiness which so many of our fellow-countrymen exhibit to put faith in the false prophets and hypocrites who start up on all sides each with some saving system of his own not many years have elapsed since the reverend mr irving electrified all england with his unknown tongues and there were impostors and fanatics or fools and knaves prompt to give an impulse to that memorable delusion by lending themselves to the cheat in this civilized country too in the nineteenth century in a land whose sons proclaim themselves to be farther advanced in knowledge and enlightenment principles than any other race on the surface of the earth in one of the countries moreover where the refinement of intellect is supposed to prevail to a degree of brilliancy certainly not excelled in other parts of the kingdom there in the neighbourhood of the cathedral city of canterbury did a madman at no very remote date assemble a host of enthusiastic believers in his horrible assumption of the name and attributes of the saviour of the worlds yes in this vicinity of a town presumed to possess all the benefit which the knowledge and learning of innumerable clergymen can possibly impart did mad tom successfully personate the messiah for several days but oh how sad how mournful is it to contemplate the course which the government of england is taking at the instant while we are penning these lines a general fast to propitiate the almighty and to induce him to avert his wrath from ireland holy god do thy thunders sleep when men thus blaspheme thy sacred name thus actually reproach thee with the effects of their misdeeds when misgovernment has brought ireland to the verge of desperation when landlords have drained the country of its resources to be expended in the british metropolis when the agents and middlemen have exercised the full amount of petty tyranny and goading oppression upon the unhappy tenants when the irish pride has been insulted by the symbols of subjection until endurance is no longer possible when the ambition of many gifted minds has been chafed and irritated at being excluded from a career of honour they would otherwise have pursued when all the humanizing effects of civilization have been restricted to a perpetual collision between the triumphant protestant religion on the one hand domineering with insolence and the defeated catholic religion on the other looking for a chance of regaining a lost ascendancy when too an unprincipled system of agitation has fanned the flame of the worst feelings and extorted the few pence from the pockets of the half-starving peasantry when all these influences forming an aggregate powerful enough to crush the most flourishing country upon the face of the earth have been brought to bear upon unhappy ireland and have reduced her population to a misery which with such fertile causes was inevitable there are to be found men who are bold enough in their deplorable ignorance or their abominable impiety to accuse the almighty of having purposely afflicted ireland people of the british isles be not deceived by this blasphemous proceeding a proceeding that would shift an awful responsibility from the shoulders of incompetent statesmen and lay it to the account of heaven our blood runs cold as we write these lines we shudder as we contemplate the wickedness of this impious subterfuge a general fast to propitiate the almighty when the misgovernment 
and the misdeeds of men have worked all the horrible results complained of. Carlyle, Hone, Richard Taylor, Tom Paine, and a whole host of avowed infidels were never prosecuted by the Attorney General for blasphemy worse than that which attributes to the Almighty the effects of the errors, ignorance, despotism, and short-sightedness of human beings. God has given us a fair and beauteous world to dwell in. He has endowed us with intelligence to make the most of the produce of the soil, and his revealed laws and doctrines have supplied us with the precepts competent to maintain order and regularity in society. He manifests no caprice, no change. The seasons come in due course, each bringing its peculiar bounties, and it depends on ourselves to render our abiding places here scenes of comfort, happiness, and contentment. But if by our own ignorance, wickedness, or tyrannical behaviour we succeed in rendering any one spot of this fair and beauteous world a prey to famine, and its invariable attendant pestilence, if we undertake to govern a country which we have conquered and instead of applying beneficial and suitable measures, heap insult, wrong, error and oppression upon its people, how can we be surprised that the worst results would ensue? And how can we be so wickedly blind or so vilely hypocritical as to attempt to cast upon the dispensations of providence those lamentable evils which we ourselves have engendered? Again, we say that a more abominable insult to the majesty of heaven was never perpetrated than that conveyed by the motives set forth as a reason for a general fast. The ministers who have advised Queen Victoria to assent to such a hideous mockery are unworthy the confidence of the nation. England will become the laughing-stock, the scorn, the derision of the whole world. Ah. Oh, we feel ashamed of belonging to a country in which such monstrous proceedings are set in motion under the solemn sanction of the Sovereign and her ministers. End of section 68